Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is the Ministry Minds Podcast. My name is Ben White, and you are listening to episode number eight. The Ministry Minds Podcast is where we have the opportunity to have practical, down-to-earth conversations with our guests on the topics of life, leadership, and of course, ministry. Our goal is to be a blessing and encouragement to you as you seek to become all that God has for you to be in whatever area of life God has you. And I really hope the podcast today will uh, maybe challenge your thinking in an area, uh, get you thinking about something maybe you haven't thought about before, but ultimately just strengthen your faith and better equip you to become all that God has for you to be. Hey, if you enjoy the podcast today, do me a huge favor rate and review the podcast. It'll be a huge help in uh, helping other people get access to this and get access to these interviews that I'm having with my guests and and get access to the interview like we're going to be having today, talking to Pastor Josh Ermler on the topic of vision casting. And there's so many people that need this. I mean, I know, I mean, obviously we haven't gotten to the conversation yet, but I know it's going to be good. And just share it, right? Rate and review it. It's 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 the it's all I'm asking you to do for for putting out this content. And I just want the knowledge and and the wisdom of our guests to be able to get out to as many people as possible. So if you could do that for me, man, I'd really really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that could benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them. And I'm sure they'd appreciate it just as I have appreciated all my good friends that have shared great podcast episodes with me. If you have any ideas of guests you'd like us to have on or topics you'd like us to cover in the future, make sure to contact me through the website, ministryminds.co or email direct, email me directly at ministryminds.co. All right, so it is so great to have with us today Pastor Josh Ermler. Pastor Ermler, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much, man. I'm really, really excited to be here. And I was noticing in your introduction, this is your eighth episode. Yes. And so I feel kind of bad that after only eight episodes, you're already having to scratch the bottom of the barrel <laughs> and bring me on. So. Do not believe that. Do not believe that. He was on my top list of people to get uh, on the podcast. So that is not true thought, at all. I thought for sure uh, we would last longer than this. But uh, anyway, oh. it's been a good run. Yeah, it's been a good run. That's it. That's it. Number eight. You know, cut it off right here. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for thanks for the invite. Yeah, I'm super excited about our topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is vision casting. But before we get into it, I just want to tell you a little bit about Pastor Josh. He is uh, currently the lead pastor at Fresno Church. How long have you been there now? Uh, we're going on twelve years. So wow, we've been there. And so twelve years. I was voted in by about. 30 folks, uh, uh, 2007. Wow. So you, your church started at about 30. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where we, when we were voted in, that's where we were at 31, I think votes. And I think there might've been one person who voted no. So there was maybe 32 people. There yeah. or something like that. So that's like that, that, that number's like right between, uh, church revitalization and church planting almost. <laughs> yeah, it really is. A buddy of mine, Josh Tice, he and I will joke because we kind of uh, kind of launched around the same time. And uh, his church plant uh, came over with, I think, 48 folks uh, from his launching church. And I was like, man, yeah. you planted a church with more folks, you know, uh, than 
over. So, you know, that's just, that's just the, the nature of some of those types of things. Yes. Pastor uh, Josh has been um, just a huge blessing to so many people. Um, you are currently the strategic director at the Idea Day Network. For, for those of you that, for those that don't know what the Idea Day Network is, could you kind of share with us and give us a little rundown of what that what that is? For sure. Um, about five or six years ago or so, a buddy of mine who I just mentioned a moment ago, Josh Tice, um, we would often get together after conferences. And we'd sit around at a Denny's and, and just have conversations about things that were really, really kind of on our hearts and minds. And it was interesting that a lot of times some of the best conversations we were having were not necessarily the ones that were taking place at the conference, but were the conversations we were having at, at dinner, you know, at Denny's at midnight, you know. And so at one point we said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we, if we created a, a conference around this concept, you know, of just conversations rather than lecture based. And so uh, about six years ago or so we, we launched those. And uh, just each year they've been growing and now it's gone. It's more than just a conference. We've, it's an entire network and, and we offer, of course, events. Uh, there's also mentoring opportunities, coaching. We, we've got our first mastermind that we're launching uh, here in a few weeks. So it, it's really just expanded and it's been neat just to be able to um, get to a lot of, you know, different locations around the country and, and have these roundtable conversations that, uh, that people are talking about. That's awesome. I've had so many friends that have uh, participated and been a part of the idea days and uh, they have nothing but good things to say. They've just enjoyed it so much. And I almost made it to one. Uh, It was down in Ohio. I'm currently in Michigan. So it was like four or five hours away and I could not find anyone to go with me. And I I kept contacting. I'm like, Hey, are you want to go with me? And they're like, Oh no, I can't. I got something with my wife. I'm like, Hey, you want to go with, no man, it's a, got a birthday party. I'm like, Oh, and I just didn't pull the trigger to go by myself. I was too much of a chicken. All right. I'm just going to be honest, guys. I was too insecure to go there by myself. And now, Oh, I wish I would have done it. I wish I would have done it. So next time that happens, I'm going. Yeah. That Tony Luizos church. Yes. Uh, Yes. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but that was literally the best uh, idea day. Of course it was. Of course it day. was. And you missed it. Yeah, so, that's, okay. well, that's my, the, welcome to my life, right? Welcome yeah. to my life. The one service I'll be sick, you know, I can't make it to the service. Best service we've ever had at church. That's just, exactly. just the way my that, life that goes. Happens, that happens a lot with me when I get sick, which is unfortunate because I'm the pastor. So <laughs> I'm never actually going to make it to our very <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, I see where you're going there. That's nice. I like that. Um, uh, what are some of the things I know you just said that mentoring thing that you guys have going on, that's relatively new as of the recording of this podcast. So what are the things you guys are working on in the idea day network and why? One of the things that's been really big on our hearts as, as leaders, the last, the last few months is, is it seems like it's been difficult for guys to find individuals that they can ask the, you know, the tough questions to, and, you know, uh, find mentors who are 10 and 20 years down the road who will really take time to invest into them Mm. in a way that's beyond just maybe a phone call or something like that. And so what we've done is we've tried to develop an infrastructure for guys who are in different sized churches or at different points in their journey and trying to provide a mentoring program 
that would work for them. So this initiative, this mentoring initiative that we launched in 2020, uh, there are actually four different programs of mentoring that people can get involved in. Mm. Uh, the first, is we're just basically, it's an online one-on-one mentoring. And so we have a menu um, at ideanetwork.church where people can go and you can literally scroll through quote unquote experts in different areas and uh, choose a mentor, schedule a call right there uh, on the website. And uh, it, the technology kind of syncs everybody up. And so this is an opportunity for maybe you to connect with, with somebody that you wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with because you don't have the t- cell phone number. Uh, you know, maybe you don't know them personally. And so we're just trying to connect people that way. So that's, that's the first program. The second one is what we're calling mentoring weekends. And in much the same way, you can kind of scroll through. And this really allows you to invite a mentor to come visit you at your church uh, to do some of the basic things, maybe like, you know, preach, but also to do leadership training, uh, to provide some on-site consulting. And uh, you can go right to the website, scroll through, maybe you're looking for somebody who is an expert at you know, assimilation when it comes to guests, or maybe, you know, somebody who can help you with, uh, you know, a a constitution type transition that Mm -hmm. you need to make. And so there are just different folks that can kind of speak to different needs that exist. And so that's the mentoring weekend. It's more an onsite. Uh, the kind of the big program is the mastermind. It's a, it's a offsite mastermind that we're going to be hosting in Denver, Colorado. And it's, supplemented with a 90 days of coaching. So kind of the thought process there is that people would kind of be able to find the one, the one big idea that would allow them to take their next step in ministry to Mm. break through their next growth barrier. And we're really going to unpack that for three days. And then for 90 days, we'll provide the accountability, uh, the support, the encouragement. So it's not just this idea that sits on a back burner, but it really is something that you're able to get, take all the way, you know, through fruition. And by the end, we're hoping that you have this strategic plan and this implementation where real ministry shifts are happening. And, And whether that's, you know, as, you know, maybe you need to start small groups or maybe, you want to, you know, see a, a fundraising campaign to purchase a new building. Uh, we're just going to try to hit a lot of those. But rather than it just being two days, uh, it'll actually be a three-month program uh, that guys will go through. So uh, we launched that. Honestly, as of this recording, I, I we had 10 spots. We booked out all 10 spots literally, I think, within a week. Mm. And so those are kind of booked up. But if it goes well, we might do it again. If it goes horribly, then that'll, that'll be it, you know. <laughs> and out so uh and then of course we always just have our facebook group where our we really try to help our guys uh you know answer questions and be there for the community and stuff and so those are kind of the four uh kind of parts of this uh mentoring initiative that we launched officially at the idea day back in las vegas here in january awesome uh one of the things just as you were speaking that i was just thinking about uh clearly the heart of you and and uh, pastor josh tice and and even the whole idea the mentoring is really to just help the gospel get out to as many people as possible and to, to share the gospel and to lead people in and helping other leaders to disciple, you know, their, their people and to, to mentor their people. And, and I'm just super thankful for what you guys are doing. I just think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're excited about it and looking forward to seeing how it comes together. And, and who knows, maybe in a year we'll be like, ah, oh, that was a dumb idea. And we'll go on to something else, but we're, we're really thinking, you know, God's hand is on it. And, 
it's been able to connect some guys. So we're excited about the potential of it. Awesome. Sure. Let me ask you this. I, I know just, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, uh, recently you posted a video about like uh, some of the sermon series you're working on, how you walk through those. Uh, what are some of the things you're working on personally in your life? And uh, I'm thinking specifically, like, as far as like prepping these services, because I was super interested in that video. Um, as I mentioned on that Facebook video, I think I put it in one of the pastors groups, and I can't even remember which one right now. But basically, uh, for a lot of years, I've tried to teach expositionally through books of the Bible. I just feel like there's something really healthy for a church family as they're able to go, you know, verse by verse through entire books of the Bible. Um, I've done that for years and years and years, and, and we've gone through a lot of New Testament books. We've gone through a lot of Old Testament books. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I started to kind of sense that on some of the longer books of the Bible that our church family would experience a little bit of, um, I don't know what else to call it, but just fatigue as yeah. we're like third into right. a book of the Bible. And, and it's not that people don't, you know, enjoy marching verse by verse, but I thought, man, there's, maybe there's a different way that we could be doing this. And, and we were actually at an idea day. In fact, this is no joke. It was at that one in Ohio. Um, <laughs> of was, course was, it was. Josh Tice and Kurt Skelly was there as well. And we got to talking about, man, how do you continue to preach verse by verse, but maybe keep it fresh? And so we started throwing around these ideas of breaking books of the Bible into several series mm. uh, and so even though it's sequential, even though it's expositional, it, it, come, it doesn't just feel like it's dragging on forever because, you know, you take certain um, sections of the book, these natural section breaks, and you kind of make those sections their own sermon series and uh, kind of do it that way. So Josh Tice there at Southern Hills and then uh, me and Fresno, we, we basically, we tried it, beta tested it, if you want to say last year in 2019. And so he, uh, Josh preached through the book of Mark. And I think he said he did seven or eight series through the book of Mark. Uh, I did some smaller books. I know I, I took Colossians and uh, split that into a couple of series. And so uh, in the video, I talk a little bit about how I did that and some of the thought process that went into it, because there are several layers if you're going to um, attack it from that perspective. One, it's just finding out where the natural breaks are at so you can make these sermon series. Uh, then from there, you kind of have to figure out what is the actual theme, because you don't want to just project your own ideas into the text. And so you want to ask yourself, in this particular section, what's the big theme that emerges? And then from there, then you've got to ask yourself, well, how am I going to creatively, you know, communicate uh, that through a, you know, creative sermon title? So it's like these three layers you kind of yeah. have to get through. And then once you get through that, then you do have to actually have to come up with individual sermons that tie back to the theme and uh, tie back, you know, to the creative that you've developed for that sermon series. So it's definitely a lot more upfront work, but uh, we found that basically in doing that, it it did keep us from going 30 and 40 weeks sure. in one book. And we were really excited about it. So now I'm going through Exodus and I, I think we're going to put five or six um, sermon series together from, from the book of Exodus. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Man, that. That, that is super cool. So 
uh, it was about uh, about a year and a half ago that um, I was listening to a preacher, and I I was uh, you know the Lord's led me to read uh, to teach expositionally too. I just have found it to just resonate with me, uh, the purposes, the reasons for it. I mean, we're not getting going to get into all of that, but I also love series as well. So I found myself torn, like you know, how do I do this? Like I love series. I I if it even helps me as I'm studying to to have that kind of you know, genre in my mind as I'm studying. And, uh, I heard a, a, a preacher preaching and he was doing this exact same thing as you were saying, and he was wow. going through the passage and he, but he was a sermon series. But as I was listening to his sermon series, he was expositionally going through the passage. And I thought that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I said, I want to start doing that. So I actually, I, and this is crazy because as I watched your video, I'm like, no way I started doing this myself. So like right now wow. we're going through uh, the life of Joseph. So chapter 37, we're calling it relational conflicts and what causes wow. conflict in relationship. Of course you have favoritism, then, you know, the uh, relational conflict of pride, the relational conflict of disobedience, the relational conflict of jealousy. And so we're kind of like, walking through the chapter, but talking about relational conflicts. And, uh, so I, when I saw your video, I'm like, dude, I, we were on the same page and I didn't even know it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping for some of those guys, you know, who really do like the series and the freshness and the creativity that goes into it, um, that maybe this would be something that would help them maybe lean a little bit more into expositional teaching. Yeah. And uh, so that's where Josh Tice found himself. It, it, I, I think he told me this was the first time he had ever preached through a book of the Bible on a Sunday morning. I know he, mm. he always does it on Sunday nights yeah. and things. This was kind of what he needed in order to, you know, move the expositional Bible teaching to actually the Sunday morning environment. So I know it went really well for him to the point where I know he's doing it again in the year 2020. So uh, I, it's definitely something to explore if uh, some of your listeners are out there you know, kind of wondering, man, I don't know if I could pull off expositional verse by verse. It might be an approach that would kind of be the best of both worlds. Yes. I, that's how I feel. I like, it is the best of both worlds. I, I was listening to one person, uh, speak, I can't remember who it was, but he said, you know, you can't, uh, strictly preach expositionally without preaching topically. Cause there's a topic in every passage you do, but, and you, you shouldn't at least shouldn't be able to preach topically without preaching expositionally as well. So there really is no, like just this or that, um, exactly. you know, at least if you're doing it properly. Uh, and I found what you were saying, man, that just helped marry both of those things together in my mind. And even the way my brain works and the, you know, the creativeness and, 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 connecting all those. So anyways, I thought that was super cool. And I kind of wanted our, our listeners to get a little taste of what that was. But today we are going to be talking about vision casting. And uh, the thing that got me thinking about this is once again, uh, Pastor Josh posted a video on the Idea Network Facebook group. By the way, if you're not part of it, jump over there. It's free. Uh, um, it's a Facebook group with, uh, uh, for the most part, ministry leaders that are just sharing ideas and, and encouraging each other and challenging each other. Um, and different thought processes. So, so jump over there. There's videos posted uh, constantly, but I saw you post a video and it was about vision casting and you had just come through your vision casting day and it really got me thinking about vision casting and it's something I'll be honest, I'm kind of weak on and uh, I feel like I need to get stronger. And so guys, for just so you know, this is a personal coaching session with Pastor Josh and you guys just all happen to be able to jo uh, join us for the ride on this. So hopefully you guys 
guys have the same questions I do. Uh, so this is my my own private uh, um, uh, uh, mentoring uh, with everybody else joining along with us. So. I love it. And you figured out how to get it for free. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. I know how to play these cards. Okay, so here's the first question. What does vision casting mean to you? I think what's important to distinguish is it's not just here's something I feel passionate about. You know, this is something I want to do as a ministry leader or as a pastor. While there might be an element of that there, I, I do think it has much more to do with really finding out what it is that the Holy Spirit of God is wanting to do uh, in and through your organization, in and through your church, in and through your personal life and, and the lives of you know those that you have the opportunity of ministering with. And as you're saturating yourself in the Word of God, as you're saturating yourself in prayer, really what, what is birthed out of that is the practical implications of God's will. So we all know that there are aspects of God's will that all of us are going to be a part of, you know. But then in our individual lives and in our individual ministries, there are going to be expressions of God's will that is unique to where God has us at a particular season of life. And so when I, when I think about vision casting, I, I, I'm really kind of trying to marry those two worlds where it starts with what is God's specific revealed will for, for everyone and then how is it that God wants us to express that within our local context? So I'm going to speak from the context of a local church and as a pastor. So if it's God's desire that, you know, we get the gospel to every nation, and I don't think that's specific to one church or specific to one individual, then, then we've got to ask ourselves the question, how, what is that going to look like? What methodologies are we going to utilize in our demographic in our context, you know, to get the, the gospel out in a practical way. And so when we think of this idea of vision casting, I think oftentimes what we're talking about is the, what is the expression for our context, you know, for our demographic. And so um, when, I, when I think about vision, it's, it's that. It's taking God's revealed will and then kind of trying to understand how are we going to express this in a way that gives God's will real and put, you know, real momentum in a practical way uh, with where we're at. Man, that's, that's, that's really good. And, um, you know, so really what's, what's the point? It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we cast that vision to understand how we can do that more effectively? Yeah. That That's really awesome. The illustration that you just used with the video that I posted, uh, that was, that was our, our vision for this particular year is a evangelistic emphasis and so we were saying hey this year we want to get the gospel to more individuals as a church family than we've ever done before and so in order to do that we came up with a kind of a strategy if you want to say of, of doing four major evangelistic events in our community and these events were going to cost quite a bit of money uh, they were going to involve a whole lot of energy and time and so that is the part of the vision casting where that that's kind of, I think, vision in the way we think of it. We take we take God's will and then we're expressing it in a way that makes sense for where we are as an individual. And I think when we talk about vision casting, that's, that's the side of it that we're often alluding to. Awesome. What, why is vision casting important for, for 
leaders. You know, um, I think a lot of leaders, you know, even maybe a lot of leaders that I know haven't really done a lot of vision casting and, uh, you know, yeah. things, things are just kind of going on as they've always gone on. And, and, and why is that important to kind of have that in your heart and maybe not just as a ministry leader, but maybe as a, a as a father or a mother of a family, or, or maybe even personally in your own life to have a, a vision and, and something the Lord's leading you to do. Why is that so important? I, I really believe that you tend to move in the direction of your focus. Um, I think that's just a natural part of what it means to be human. If you're focusing on something for a long time, you begin to, to move there. I, I remember when I was uh, first starting to drive and uh, I would have that point where I would have to merge onto the freeway. And I remember one story particular where I'm kind of going down the on-ramp, getting ready to head toward the freeway. And so I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure there's no vehicles, making sure there's no semi-trucks there. And I noticed that as I was focusing that way, my hand started to turn the wheel in that direction. I remember very vividly uh, my mom screaming in my ear, you know, we're all going to die, you know. She was, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, what I wasn't realizing is where I turned my attention, I tended to turn the steering wheel in that direction, and that's where the car ended up going. But I think that's a very real thing in everyday life. Wherever we focus, whatever we fixate on, we tend to begin to drift in that direction. So vision comes along and says, Hey, this is, this is a, this is a sense of where the Lord would have us. This is his will, uh, both, you know, specifically, but then in a practical way, this is a way in which this might be expressed within our personal lives and things. And it gives, it gives us something to focus on because we're going to tend to move in the direction of our focus. And I I think that's one of the reasons it's really important. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, but let me ask you this, like as you're, you're casting vision and as you're, you know, that's the exciting part is that, that vision casting and, you know, um, uh, but it's not all uh, gumdrops and lollipops when it comes to vision casting. And what are some of the challenges you would face when vision casting, whether spiritually or even, um, uh, I guess I would say, uh, emotionally or mentally, you know, what are some of those challenges you would face? I know for me, and I think that was kind of the uh, point of the video I posted a a few weeks back, was how emotionally draining and how um, spiritually challenging it is as a pastor to stand up and kind of share your heart on what you believe the Lord is uh, leading the church family into. And I think the reason it's so challenging, I think there's several reasons. One is because when when you're leaning into something, I don't care how great of a leader you are, the reality is I don't know that there's any individual who is like 100% certain that this is absolutely what God wants them to functionally and practically do uh, with that particular principle. So we know God wants everybody to win souls, but we took that, you know, principle of God's will and saying, okay, this is a way in which we're going to express it. That being said, while I was maybe 85% sure uh, that this expression of having these evangelistic events that were going to cost us a lot of money, we're going to take a lot of time, I felt very confident in my seasons of prayer and seeking the Lord's word that that's what God had for us. The reality is it wasn't 100%. The the truth is uh, there was no angel that came down and took 
room in my prayer time and said, hey, this is exactly what you need to do. It's just this sense that you get from the Holy Spirit of God as you're saturating yourself in the Word of God. And so because of that, because there is a 10 or 15% of maybe I don't really know, you do enter into that with a little bit of just kind of I'm almost sure, but I'm not absolutely sure. And, yeah. and so that creates anxiety. That creates a little bit of fear. What if I'm wrong, mm. you know? And, and to be honest, as leaders, every once in a while, we're going to be wrong yeah. about something. And I think one of the reasons that leaders don't often do this is because, you know, they just want to be 100% about everything. Mm. And, and yet, if we're going to be 100% about everything, that would negate all faith. Yeah. Um, not that we should be reckless in faith. I think we can be wise. Uh, but even the most strategic, wise plans that we sense the Lord leading us into are going to have are going to necessitate, you know, aspects of faith. And oftentimes, you know, faith is needed in those in the spaces between where we're sure and, you know, where we're a little bit like we, we, we believe this is what the Lord has, but we're trusting him with it. And I think so one reason I think it's because it's scary. I think the second reason is because anytime you cast vision, there are critics. Yeah. Um, just are going to be people who don't like it. And, and some of it is, you know, people who are real, you know, they're, they're just people who are ornery. Yeah. <laughs> Others, people who just need to go through the progression of rejection, tolerance, acceptance. Um, I know for me, almost any time I'm presented with a brand new idea, my knee-jerk reaction is to, to reject it. Yeah. Um, and then if I, after I hear it a few times, then it's like, okay, you know, tolerance maybe. I don't love it. but And then eventually, if it really is a decent idea, then it, then there's the acceptance phase. So even people who are good people are just naturally going to tend to go through that progression. And um, that's hard when you're casting vision and things like that to, to know that there are going to be some people who, one, are just critical of it because they're ornery and they're never going to like it. And then because of the fact that even the people who will eventually get on board, you know it's going to take them a while to get there and you feel bad that they have to go through that you know, psychological struggle yeah. you know, on that journey. So there's a couple of reasons why I think it, it tends to be difficult and some reasons why people don't do it. So it's really stretching to your faith. Obviously, I think that's the scariest part is that whatever, you know, you're like confident this is what the Lord wants us to do. But that extra 10, 15 percent, that's faith <laughs> because yeah, exactly. like you said, there's no angel coming down, giving you a scroll that has exactly what you have to do. And you just got to step out by faith. And I think whenever we step out by faith in any area of life, it can be a, a little scary. And you have to have vision to step out by faith, no matter what, personally, as a church, as a family. And there's always that, um, yeah, that anxiety there for that. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, I'm sure you've been casting vision for a long time at your church and in 12 years now, and, and God's obviously blessed your church from the 30 that you once had to where you guys are today. Um, does as you cast vision and the, and, and people see the Lord bless it and see, you know, these visions come fulfilled that the Lord has given. And as a church collectively have moved forward and, and God's really been in it. Do, do the people build more of a trust for the leader and, and more confidence in the vision? Yes, I would say absolutely. Especially those people who have been with you for a long time. Um, there, there is this point where typically they don't necessarily go through rejection, tolerance, acceptance, and it doesn't take them quite as long to move through that process. 
if they have gone through these stages again and again and again with you. I think where the challenge is, is as you continue to grow and reach new people and see people saved, you're constantly bringing new people yeah. in who, who don't have that. You don't have that credibility right. with. And, or maybe they come from another church and, and maybe there's some baggage there. And so they're bringing that with them. So yes, for, for a few folks, you're kind of able to expedite the process with them. But in a thriving church where you're continually to grow and bring people in, there is always going to be an element of that, you know, um, of just people, a group of people who, who have to move through those processes. Yeah. Even people who have been through it with you before, um, the reality is you're constantly having to stretch your faith in new ways yeah. and in fresh ways. And so because of that, even people who have been through um, similar journeys with you before, the reality is they've not been through this journey yeah, with you before. Yeah, and, and good point. Much like the children of Israel in Exodus, they saw God part the Red Sea. You know, they saw these things take place, and yet a few chapters later, they're, they're still whining about where's the hours And so, there's a little bit of that even in our church world. You know, we've seen what God's done in the past, but we have this what I like to call spiritual amnesia, mm. and, and that tends to settle in. So. While a few people will really, you know, eventually get to the place where they're just locked and loaded and all you have to do is say the word, there's still going to be a group that has to go through that journey. Uh, the way I like to say it is this. There's 10% of your church that is going to be on board with anything you do because yeah. of their personality, because of their relationship with you. You just say it. You cast the vision. They're on board. Uh, maybe because they've been around for a while. Then you're going to have on the other side of the spectrum, 10% of folks, it doesn't matter what you say. They are not going to be for it, yeah. you know. I mean, it's so beneficial to them. They're just that's their that's their mo. That's the way they're wired. They are just against everything. Yeah. And then there's that eighty percent in the middle, and that's where the vision, the vision casting, and real leadership is needed because that eighty percent could go either way depending on 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 how the vision is cast and how you lead through that process. Do you think vision casting, you know, speaking uh, particularly when it comes to ministry, um, do you think as, you know, one casts vision leader specifically and God blesses it and things come through, does that strengthen not just obviously the leader as he has seen God come through, but, but is that really a, a faith builder for the people as well? I would say it is for those who are invested into it. Hmm. Um, if there are people who have invested their time, uh, they've invested their prayers, uh, they've invested financially into it. For that group of people, it is a faith-building thing. However, for those that were just standing on the sidelines watching it, yeah. they enjoy some of the benefits of it. But my experience has been it doesn't necessarily build their personal mm. faith in quite the same way. And so I guess the answer to that question is yes and no, yeah. depending on where the individual people within the congregation, um, how they've allowed the Holy Spirit to, to work through them in, in the context of that specific, you know, uh, vision. So you got like those people that say, you know, that, that refer to the church as my church, you know, um, like they're, they're invested into it and they're just as invested as you are. And then they see God come through and it's incredible. And then you have those other people that are like watching from the sidelines and they see God come through like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, uh, that, you know, I love yeah. to see what God's doing with, you know, here at the yeah. church, you know, but they're not really, 
emotionally, physically, or uh, financially invested in what's going on. And, and consequently, I don't think they experience the same growth hmm. um, personally um, as some of those folks who are more invested and uh, and things. Now they might experience some of the same benefits um, externally. Yeah, you know, maybe right. They get and their kids to the building that got built, you know, whatever the case may be. But it it doesn't have that personal growing, stretching to their own faith and spirituality like it did for the person who did, you know, get locked and loaded. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, too bad uh God didn't have a chapter in the Bible that talked about getting involved in the in the work of the <laughs> That's, that's some sarcasm guys there. Uh, for first Corinthians chapter 12. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so really, you know, uh, we just, uh, I just studied through first Corinthians chapter 12 and I mean, that's what it is. It's like, if you're not, I mean, you're there to get involved and to be a part. And, uh, it's, it's disappointing when you see people that just aren't being invested in like that. And you're like, ah, oh, you're just, you literally cannot grow anymore unless you get involved. Like you're stunting your own growth. And I want you to get involved, not for the sake of the, the church or what we're doing, but for your sake, yeah, for, for your sake, exactly. You know, and they think they're playing it safe, right. you know, well, I'm not financially, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use up all my time on this. And in, in their attempts to play it safe, they really do stunt their ability to experience growth uh, to the fullest extent. Mm. You know, I, I often say it this way. God doesn't want something from you when it comes to this. He really does want something for you. Yes. And I know oh, that so can good. sound a little okay, but the reality is, is so true that as we invest into these things, especially when we can see them so deeply rooted in basic biblical principle and the vision is a very clear expression of that biblical principle um then as people get locked and loaded to that in a practical way they are able to experience spiritual growth and maturity that doesn't just help them in their church life but then in their marriage life yeah. and in the life of you know their parenting and at work and they begin to see benefits and reap benefits you know in every arena of their life because of you know how their faith has been stretched you know, in that ecosystem yes. of church. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Let me ask you this. Cause I, cause I've always, I've always thought about this and, um, let me just ask you the question. How do you know if the vision that you are casting and the vision that you have is of the Lord or it's your own personal desire, something that like is maybe in your heart. And, and I think that's something I'm always wrestling with, is this something I want to do or is this actually yeah. something God wants me to do? And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who, who served on staff at a large church and, and, um, he would say the pastor would come in and he'd be like, God, I believe God leading us to do such and such. And he's like, everybody in the room knew, no, God's not leading us. This is just what you want to do. This is, it's so obvious. You just want to do it. And you're tagging the word God on there at the end. So that, you know, like, what are we going to say? No. Uh, but you know, he, he, they always sensed the motive of this isn't what God wants us to do. You're just kind of driving the agenda here. And I've always been super, um, you know, cautious of my own heart and kind of sensitive about what am I doing? And I don't want this to be of me. I want this to be a God. How do we guard our heart and know that what we're doing is of God? That is a very, very big question. I think we could probably, yeah. you know, take the entire podcast to pull back the quote unquote onion layers yeah. of that part question. Uh, because there's so much nuance to it and, sh and so many different places we could go. 
ultimately, you know, that as a leader, this is why it's so important for us as pastors and as ministry leaders to be in a, in a position and on a heart posture of, of real surrender, mm. of utter humility, because we are not, you know, we're, we're, we're not necessarily going to be people who, you know, can, are, are free from the temptation of just kind of driving something right. in our own direction. Right. And uh, so this is a very, it is a very real, a very real thing, that a real tension, I think, that pastors have to, have to wrestle with. But then on, on, the flip, on the flip side of this, I would say this, that oftentimes when we think about God's will in the scriptures, there are a few things that God says, you know, do this and do this and do those things. But the vast majority of scripture, the vast majority of it, a roadmap of here's what you're supposed to do in the 21st century when it comes to this or when it comes to that. It, it's not giving you A, B, C, D. What it is doing, it is trying to cultivate the the heart of the type of person who tends to make wise decisions mm. in specific arenas of their life. And I, I think there's much more of the scriptures that is developing and cultivating that than necessarily telling you do A, B, C, D. Yeah. And so I think us as pastors, we have to kind of think that way as well, that we need to be saturating ourselves in the Word of God. Amen. We need to be saturating ourselves in, in God's presence through time of prayer, through uh, meditating on His Word. Why? Because it's the Word there that really begins to inform and cultivate the type of heart and motivations and values and, um, you know, kind of drives that will lead us to be the type of leaders who will make the right decisions mm. and lead our congregations in the right way. And so I, I think that's, that's what makes this somewhat messy because there isn't necessarily, you know, a formula, right. You know, it's a, this is, this is how this vision should look and this is how it should be expressed. It really is the word of God, just cultivating a, the type of heart in a leader that tends to just lead in wise and, um, unselfish ways. Hmm. So the simple answer, uh, the non, uh, onion answer, <laughs> tearing back all those layers, but the simple answer is be a man of the word of God, be a man of prayer and keep your sin confessed and your relationships right with other people and just walk with God and, uh, just trust him to, uh, move through that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wish I could say that there is never any personal ambition to anything that we do but i was just talking to an older evangelist friend of mine and he said an old preacher told him that he said that he doesn't know if it's possible to totally eradicate every ounce of mm. selfish ambition in our plans and i wish i wish i could say no that's not true you know we can yeah but i think to some degree that's that's always there and i think humility says that is there how do i temper that to the to the degree that really allows me to make this primarily about Christ. So we can say like John the Baptist, you know, he must increase, I must decrease, yeah. you know, and, and as a casting decision, that's, that's really the heart of this as well. I think, it, I think it's not just something leaders struggle with, but everybody, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've 
heard, uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically, uh, you know, just individuals as they're casting the vision of what God has for their life. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, they'll be like, I believe God wants me to do this and this. And I'm like, ah, oh, does he though? That's just yeah. doesn't, mm, I, <laughs> I'm struggling with what you're saying. I, you know, I'm not doubting you just, you know, but I think we always struggle with that you know, um, ulterior motives and how many times do I do it? And that's the problem. You know, that's, you know, going to this question is, is I know I'm wicked. I know I have ulterior motives all the time and things that I do. And then sometimes I'm just like, I can't, I just can't tell if this is something I want to do or if this is something God wants me to do. You know, I can't tell if this is something I want us to do or if something God wants us to do. And I, man, I just, I always feel that tension. I would say that the very fact that you're actually feeling and articulating that tension tells me that you're at least leaning mm. in the right direction. I think somebody who truly does have selfish ambitions and selfish motives, I don't think they struggle with that, ten that tension mm. quite as much. And so the very fact that the tension is there is one indicator that, okay, Maybe I don't have it all together perfectly, yeah. but at least I'm, I'm probably leaning on the right side of this equation, you know? So I would, I would, I would kind of caution anybody who never senses that tension and is like, nope, I know hundred percent this yeah. is God's will. And, <laughs> and I, I never have to struggle with whether or not this is what I, that's, that's actually the person I'd be more concerned with, you know, and they're just, you know, but I think the person who wrestles with it, it, it is an indicator that, you know, that, that shows a, a spirit of humility. It shows a spirit of, you know, self-awareness mm. that I think is really important for leaders to possess, to lead in a healthy and, you know, kind of productive way. Amen. Let's, let's uh, get to some practical stuff here. So let's say there's somebody out there, uh, you know, they've kind of been nervous about vision casting. Maybe they're a spiritual leader, maybe just in their home, you know, they want to talk to their wife and their family. I feel like God leading us to do this, um, you know, really no matter what, but, but what are the steps to uh, vision casting? I'm really a, a firm believer. The more I grow about just more structure and, and having a, a, a thought out process. And, you know, I think God really blesses that when we're, um, you know, uh, organized and, and we kind of understand how things go. So give us a really practical way. You got the vision. It's in your heart. You feel God leading you. What are steps you take to, you know, ultimately spread that vision to others? The, the first thing I do is I really do want to make sure I'm getting a lot of counsel and a lot of perspective. The Bible says, obviously, in the multitude of counselors, you know, there's safety. And so kind of the first stage out of, oh, I've, I've internalized it is kind of bouncing it off mentors, bouncing it off other experts in whatever area I'm leaning into. So if we're talking about buying a property or selling property, then part of my counsel might be a real estate agent. Right. Uh, it might be you know, a, a businessman who kind of knows what he's doing. Um, if it's in another arena, then I would look for maybe an expert, but also people who will speak spiritually and practically into that. So I, I would say once it's been internalized, and I think there is even some steps on how to really come to grips with internalizing it, but when you're expressing it, the first level, I think, is to express it to counselors. And in this stage, I would encourage people to hold their ideas very lightly. Hmm. Um because if we're not careful, we'll, if we are holding too tight, then we're only going to seek out counselors who are just going to reinforce what we want to hear. Um, if we're holding too tight, we might not go to get counsel from people that we think ah, might not tell us what we want mm. to want to hear. And so that first stage, I think, is holding it very lightly and then literally allowing people to poke holes in it a little bit. 
and this might hurt a little, um, but if you're very humble through this process, even if people are poking holes and challenging you in areas along these lines, it really will save you a lot of time and headache down the road yeah. because you'll be forced to think about things that are eventually going to come up anyways. But at least now you can address them, you know, before it be- becomes this huge yeah. ordeal, before you have to go communicate it, you know, to your church family. So that's, that's kind of stage one. Uh, stage two for me is once I've gotten counsel on it, then I'm really identifying, this would be number two, who are the key people who I need for buy-in? So in a church context, this might be your deacons, or maybe this is the head of the deacons, or uh, an associate pastor, or it could just be um, someone in the church who's very influential for one reason or another. Maybe they're not on the organizational chart way up there, but they've been around the church for 25 years and people just look to this person, you know, for, for guidance or, you know, what's, what's, what works, you know, for the church. And so you, you want to try to encourage buy-in from those folks. So anytime I would do any type of vision casting, I am always going to be having one-on-one meetings with those individuals. And I think this is a really, really critical step that a lot of times gets missed Hmm. in vision casting. Like sometimes people think, oh, the moment I stand up in front of the church and, and declare it is the first time it's, you know, been articulated. By the time I'm communicating it from the pulpit, um, honestly, half the people already know about it. Yeah. You know, they've already had the time to go through rejection and tolerance and acceptance, especially when it's kind of a, a big deal that, that maybe is got a lot of financial um, elements and uh, components to it and things. Um, so that's where that would be kind of stage two. Who do I need to get? Who do I need to get buy-in from? And then a lot of times from there, then you're going to be having meetings uh, with groups of people. So rather than just one-on-one meetings, uh, maybe maybe you did you know want to communicate to the deacons, but you had that one-on-one meeting with the head deacon first, or something like that, or, or two or three of the key deacons, or uh, maybe you had a you know, a one-on-one with one of your ministry coordinators. So the, 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 the third phase is basically getting with small groups of people. Uh, maybe it's all of your Sunday school leaders. Maybe it's all your small group leaders. Maybe it's all your ministry coordinators. Uh, maybe it's just, um, you know, a group of people that you know are really financially invested in the church. And so you take them out for dinner, just to talk to them about this, you know, uh, in, in that perspective. So I, I don't know if you, you're seeing this, but it starts with real like, okay, here's my mentors. Then it's going to this kind of one-on-one key people that we need for buy-in in the church. Once you're able to, you know, get them on board, then you're doing small groups and, and things like that. And at that point, toward the end of the small groups, you really start training those small groups of people. Uh, you give them the questions that people are going to be asking and you give them the answers for mm. it. Um, so that is to say, when you get with these small groups, yes, you're going to be casting vision to them. But at some point, you're also going to be getting with them. And you're going to say, hey, these are the questions that are going to come up. I don't want to be the only one who knows the answers to these questions. Yeah. I want you to know them. So you might print up a list of something. You know, you might give them, you know, these are common questions that people are going to have. That way, you know, here's all these groups of people 
So maybe it's somebody who serves, you know, as a volunteer, you know, usher, and they're not necessarily going to ask their, you know, question to the pastor or something like that. They're going to go to the usher coordinator and because that's who maybe they have a relationship with. Or they're going to go to their small group leader and they're going to ask them the question that's kind of gnawing on them about this vision or whatever the case may be. And so you really want to make sure in your vision casting to those groups that you are also equipping them to answer the questions effectively. The last thing you want those people saying is, that's a great question. I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, that just doesn't you know, build a whole lot of trust in the right. leadership team. And so I think that that is that element. And then finally, you're just, you come to a point, point where you just got to, you know, cast it to the church family. Um, I'm a firm believer that the more you can do this visually and the more you can do it through life change stories, um, the better. And th- this is a lot of work. And sometimes, you know, we just like, we're just going to blurt it out. And, and sometimes I've been there and we've done that, um, but it's always way more effective when you can tie your vision casting into, you know, one of your primary purposes as a church, uh, one of your primary values as an organization, and, and tie personal stories into why this is important, you know, or whatever the case may be. And so those are kind of some of the, the step-by-step processes that I personally would try to go through specifically on the really big vision casting items that I'll push every once a year, every other year or something like that. Man, that was guys rewind this about 10 minutes and re-listen to that because that was, that was gold right there. Um, how to do that, how to walk through that. I've heard a lot of these principles here and there throughout, but man, how great to have you just kind of lay out, lay it out there, you know, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, how to do this. And so listen, vision casting, I kind of like, like he said before, it's not the, the Bible doesn't lay out a, you know, this is how, you know, you get a vision or whatever from the Lord. But once you got that, once you have what God wants you to do, uh, be strategic about it, think through it. Don't just, you know, fly by the seat of your pants and, and, and not only, I think, will this, uh, from what Pastor Josh just shared with us, will this really give a lot of buy-in from your uh, members and, and people just buying into the idea? Uh, but I think everybody will really appreciate it. You know, there's a show I really love to watch. It's called Shark Tank. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things is... Uh, when they don't understand the sharks, you know, uh, when they don't understand what the person is trying to communicate, they're like, I don't get it. I'm out. Like, I just, I don't understand what you're saying. Um, you may be a great person. This may be a great product, but I don't understand it. So I'm out. So even that taking that time to make sure people understand, uh, they'll appreciate it and, and, and understanding and having that clarity of mission really builds trust. And so it sounds like a lot. That's what you're saying, right? Have that clear communication and get that buying from people. And that will give them the trust to get behind the vision. I like the fact that you use that word trust because that's what all of these things are attempting to accomplish is cultivating trust. And and the longer you've been at a place, you're going to have some trust that's automatically given to you uh, just because of your tenure. Um, But each time you step out, you're going to have to be recultivate that, redevelop it to some degree for that new endeavor. Hmm. Do you got a story, uh, maybe just share a story with us of a way that uh, you've seen God work through vision casting. Maybe you cast a vision and you saw God come through and, uh, you know, just maybe something from your personal life, maybe something that you were a part of that you saw. Yeah, no, no, I I appreciate that. Um, I I remember (laughs) this kind of is maybe a pro and a con. We, 
when we were looking to move facilities and, and move into a, a different campus because we needed more space, the, the auditorium that we had before sat like 40 folks and mm. we did a remodel and we got it up to, you know, 120 or whatever the case may be. But then it was just time to move properties, get into a larger facility. And, uh, we had been scouting out different buildings and, and, uh, you know, I knew that the Lord wanted us to get into a building. I didn't necessarily know exactly which one, but we had one opportunity uh, to get into one, and uh, we were talking with the owner. And so what we did is we decided that we were going to do a large banquet in this building. And uh, so we, sh- sure enough, we did. We uh, we picked a night. We all met at the building. We decorated it. We did catering. We brought in a special speaker. And I think, honestly, it was one of our our biggest fundraising offerings that we had ever had. I mm. mean, just tens and tens of thousands of dollars that were raised that night. In fact, I, and I, it might've been over a hundred thousand dollars that we wow. raised that night. Um, you know, just as a, as a small young church, it's been several years ago. And, uh, I remember, you know, just casting vision. People were so excited they, because they were literally in this building that we were looking at purchasing. And then a few months later, you know, when basically, you know, long story short, that opportunity fell through on us. And uh, so, man, I remember just being absolutely devastated because here I had used so much leadership collateral saying, hey, we're moving this route, what we've got going. And then to kind of have to take a few steps back and restart that all, you know. And since we had some of the funds and some of the monies, uh, it took a little bit, but, you know, eventually probably within three or four months, we were able to shift and, and you know, find a building that we're currently in now and to make that work. But I think one of the things that I learned through that was ultimately at the end of the day, you know, God is sovereign in everything. Amen. And there are going to be moments where we feel like, Oh, this is what the Lord has us to do. And maybe he needed us to go down that path to the place we got to and have that door shut to accomplish a purpose, you know, that we, didn't know at the time needed to be accomplished, but he even has a purpose in those detours, if we want to call it that, you know? And so even when there are seasons where, oh man, this didn't come together the way I thought maybe it should, in the end, God even uses those things to, to teach us and to grow us together and to accomplish his purposes. And, and from that, we were able to use those funds. And when we leaned into the next one, you know, it was, it was awesome just to see people say, well, you know, this, God must have something better for us. Mm. And sure enough, that's what God did, and we went for it. So I, I think the, the moral of the story is we just don't want to be so invested in our expression of the envision, vision that we miss out on really just letting God be God when it all comes together exactly the way we think it should or when God changes it on us and takes us on a detour that ends up, you know, getting us somewhere better than we thought we could have got on the yeah. own, you know. Um, it's God's in control and we can trust him. Amen. Amen. So I think that's not just practical for uh, a church, but even in our own personal life, right? I mean, how many times have we had a vision of what we felt God wanted us to do? And then all of a sudden we smack right into a cement wall and God's like, nope, not the place I wanted you to go. And you're like, but I was, I was almost sure I was positive. This is where you wanted us to go. And he says, nope. But then he redirects and then you see how, where he did, where you thought he wanted you actually taught you some things that God needed to teach you before he put you where he did want you. So man, that's just practical personal life. Um, ministry wise, our families are really, no matter 
what area of life we're in. Pastor Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. No, I was glad to be able to be a part. And thanks, thanks for letting me be in on the early episodes yeah. of this. <laughs> the ground floor. The last episode, yeah. episode eight. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Or, or maybe I've reached the pinnacle. There's just nowhere else to go oh, from here. <laughs> it's all perspective. Well, it's all perspective. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening to the uh, Ministry Minds podcast here today. If you found this podcast helpful, why don't you go ahead and rate and review it? Be a huge blessing. That will help um, the the podcast today about vision casting. And guess what? I'm just having a vision that lots of people are going to be rating and reviewing the podcast. So I see it right now. So you guys go rate and review the podcast and help this message get out to more people. Uh, if you know anybody that you would like to have on the podcast, um, Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can contact me through the website, ministryminds.co, or email me directly, White at ministryminds.co. Uh, our goal is really to just be a blessing and encouragement to you guys as you seek to become all that God has for you to be in whatever area of leadership God has you. So once again, this is the Ministry Minds Podcast. My name is Ben White. I look forward to seeing you guys here next time. Peace. Peace.